So if you brought a Bible or you brought your phone that has the Bible, we're going we're gonna to talk about a story out of Nehemiah 4. Uh, so it's in the Old Testament. It's, uh, I love Nehemiah. He's a, he's a really interesting character. But Nehemiah deals with an issue that I think we, we all feel. I think even maybe you as a church feel it often more. We, where we live, it's the middle of the Bible Belt. So they call there's this part of the United States that runs through the, the south part of the U.S., and it's, they call it the Bible Belt because everyone there goes to church. So everyone there knows, would say they know God. Everyone there would say they go to church. Everyone there would say they're a Christian, which is not true, but that's what everyone would say. So it's called the Bible Belt. And so where Abilene is, where we live, is the very middle of that part. Uh, and so when we face discouragement, we face it in different ways. And then when you face discouragement, it looks different. But discouragement is all the same. Discouragement is that feeling of just being overwhelmed, like you can't handle it anymore, and you don't know where to turn, you don't know where to go. And, uh, and, and I think discouragement is something that we don't talk a lot in church. We don't like to talk about it. It's fun to talk about fun stuff. Like Sunday, I got to talk about how God sees us. That's fun to talk about. Talking about discouragement's never fun, um, but it's inevitable, Discouragement is going to happen. If you haven't felt it already this year, you've got, you know, some time left in this year. You will feel, we all feel discouragement. It's impossible to not at some point in your life feel discouraged. And what I love so much about the story of Nehemiah is that he faced overwhelming discouragement and the way that he battled against it. So it's in Nehemiah 4. Um, Let me open it up. There we go. So Nehemiah 4, we're going to talk in verse, we'll end up being in verse 10, uh, but some backstory of the story of like where they have gotten there. So they, uh, the people of Israel, they, about 600 years before this, they had gotten, um, or about 600 BC, I'm sorry, they had gotten wiped out by the Babylonians. So the different people group had just crushed them, and they had obliterated all the people. They had destroyed the temple. I mean, they had done a lot of really bad things. They'd taken a bunch of uh, the, the people's slaves, and so that's kind of where we're at in the story whenever it begins to happen. And so the guy that is king is a guy named Cyrus. And so what he decides to do is he is going to send a group of people back into Jerusalem. He's going to send them back to where they are supposed to be. So what it says uh, in Nehemiah 4, it says, In Judah it was said, The strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There is too much rubble. By ourselves we will not be able to rebuild the wall. So what happened is, is Cyrus sent these 50,000 Jewish people back, and they go back, and they're going to rebuild the wall of the city. Now, that is like the most important thing to them. There is nothing that is as important to them as having a wall in their city. They're surrounded by people that hate them, and all those people want them dead. And the only way they survive is if they build this wall. So everything hinges on this wall being built. They only have crops if they have this wall built. They only are safe if they have this wall built. They can only go to the temple if they have this wall built. They can't do anything unless they rebuild the wall. And so it says in in Judah, the Jewish people are saying that, that we're tired. There's too much wall to build. They're having to build a wall around their entire city that had just been torn down a few years before that. And so they are just overwhelmed. There is so much wall to build. And the whole nation at once is saying, it's just too much. We can't do it. We don't know where to go. There's too much wall and we're not going to be able to do it. And I, I think we, I, maybe this is just me, I, I have felt that. I felt that in the last year. We've had some situations happen at work, and it's like, I don't I called one of my best friends, is a guy named Joel. We grew up together. He's come to Ireland a few different times. And uh, we, I called him, and I just said, 
why, why did we go into ministry? Like, why did we do this? This is not fun. I don't like what's happening. And it felt just discouraged. Like, I don't know, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. And it's that same, that is what they are feeling. They, it is too much. We don't, we're not going to be able to rebuild the wall. So if you skip down to verse uh, 14, it says, And I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the officials, and to the rest of the people. So here is Nehemiah talking. So Nehemiah does what a leader does, and he stands up, and he is going to cast vision for the people. He says, do not be afraid of them, which is always helpful. I love in the Bible when it says, do not be afraid. It's like, hey, that doesn't help me at all. I'm afraid because these people are trying to kill me. They are surrounding me. We can't rebuild the wall, and you're telling me to not be afraid. But then he says, why? Remember the Lord who is great and awesome, and fight for your brothers, your sons, and your daughters, your wives, and your homes. And when our enemies heard that it was known to us and that, and that God had frustrated their plan, we all returned to the wall, each to his own work. So I love, there's two keys to overcoming discouragement. Nehemiah shows us the first one right there. He says, remember the Lord. And so for us as Christians, if we are going to, in times of discouragement, this, this last season for me at work, when I was feeling overwhelmed and discouraged and frustrated and just sad and kind of weary, I had to go back and go, well, I remember the ways the Lord has shown himself faithful. And what Nehemiah says is, don't be afraid. And then he says, why? So he says, you don't have to be afraid because remember the Lord. And then I love when the Bible uses really simple language because I'm a simple person. He says, remember the Lord who is great and awesome. It's like he described it like you would describe it to a child. Like, hey, you know this guy? He's awesome. And that's what Nehemiah says to the people. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. You don't have to fear because remember who he is. And now these people would have seen God do incredible things. I mean, they, the, over their history, they had seen the Lord do some unbelievable things. But guess what? So have we. I mean, we've seen the Lord, even, even if you're just now coming to church stuff, we've seen the Lord do some incredible things. I mean, it says in Scripture that we breathe because he says we can breathe. Like that we were created the way we are because he did that. That we have food and we have sustenance and we have a roof over our head and we have rest. We have peace. We have freedom all because he did that. And so what Nehemiah is encouraging the people is imploring the people. And he's saying, listen, remember the Lord. You don't have to fear. And so you've got this nation, an entire nation of people overwhelmed and discouraged and sad and frustrated and feeling like they can't go on. And the first thing Nehemiah tells them to do is all you have to do is remember who God has been. And here's the deal. We're not always great at that. I'm not always great at it. I've been in the church for as long as I can remember, but a few years ago, something changed for me. So we got, I got the chance. I love missions. I have, it's, I mean, I love Ireland. I've been here way more than anywhere else. I've been here, I don't know, 15 times probably. Uh, I, this is my place. When I come here, it's the first place my daughter went on a mission trip. I love being here. Uh, this feels like home to me. Uh, but I, the, we've, we've gone on missions. I've gone to Mexico. I've gone to Austria. We've gone um, to Albania. That's a weird place to go to. Uh, we've gone all over the world. A few years ago, I think it was three, maybe four years ago, we went on a mission trip to Monterey, Mexico, and we were working with some orphanages in there. It was really cool. It took a youth trip. But at the end of the day, they would do the same thing. The whole, they'd gather our whole group together. So there'd be like 15, 18 of us. They would sit us in a big, giant circle, and they would go person to person, and that, what you had to do is you had to say something you saw the Lord do today. So 
Every day for the six days that we were in Monterey, we'd end the day the same way. We'd sit on a hard surface in a big circle, and one by one, we would have to say, this is what I saw the Lord do today. And you know what it made you do? It made you pay attention all the time to the ways the Lord moves. Like a little conversation we would have with somebody as we were using a jackhammer, breaking up concrete, or as we were walking through the grocery store and we got to just like love on one of the people from Monterey, or all these little things. And I think for me, it changed missions. It changed the way we do, like the way I do family stuff. So me and Sarah and Berkeley and Ellie, every day at dinner, we do the, you, tell me something you saw God do, or tell me something amazing about today. And what it makes you do is it makes you pay attention. And so for us, that remembering the Lord only happens if we do it on purpose. And so in those times of feeling discouraged, and they are going to come, the best thing for us is to get in the habit of as, as much as we can remembering what the Lord's done. And writing it down or making a little note on, my phone, on your phone and telling people. There's power in testimony. Scripture says that we're saved by the blood of the Lamb, so by Jesus, but then by the word of our testimony, by pro- pro- proclaiming what Jesus has done for us and continues to do for us. And so in times of discouragement, all we have to begin, the first step, not all, but the first step that we have to do is just remember the Lord and pay attention to what He's doing and what He has done and write it down so that when you feel bleak and overwhelmed, like they would feel, I mean, they have a right to feel overwhelmed. The Jewish people at this point, they've, the people of Judah, they have a right to feel overwhelmed and discouraged at this point. They, their wall that they built was torn down by somebody else, and now they're having to rebuild it again. And there's too, many, too much of the wall that's destroyed, and there's too few of them because the rest are still enslaved. And so they've got a right to feel discouraged. And what Nehemiah says, hey, just, you don't got to be, a, remember the Lord. But the second thing that he, said, he tells them to do is in, uh, it's verse, starts in verse 19. And I said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, the work is great and widely spread and we are separated on the wall far from one another. So Nehemiah acknowledges, because here's the deal. God doesn't want you to act like nothing bad ever happens. God does not expect you to say, well, since I'm a Christian, life is easy. It's not. It's just as bad. The world is broken. It's been broken since Adam and Eve sinned and brought sin into the world. The world is broken. It's messed up. There are bad people who do bad things, and sometimes we are those bad people doing bad things, and that's just the world. It's a broken, messed up place, and I love that Nehemiah acknowledges how the people feel again. He acknowledges it's, listen, I know we're far spread out. There's a lot of work, but then he says this, In the place where you hear the trumpet sound, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. So it says, in the in the place where the trumpet will sound. So that is the place that there's a breach in the wall. So if they, I mean, y'all know this. You have the river that overflows every year, right? And there's a place that that the water overflows out into then the city, and it does damage in the city. The city wall is the same. So they have a wall around their city that's there for protection. And there will be, when, when they were going to be attacked, and at this point, their attack is inevitable. It is going to happen. And so what Nehemiah tells them to do is, at that place, we will blow a trumpet. And then when that trumpet blows, you go there. Right? What I love is he doesn't say, you go there, and then you just get ready to fight. Right? Because that's what I expect. You're running to the place of battle. You're running to the place where your enemy is coming through the wall. This is the place where if Nehemiah was going to be like, like the guy in Braveheart and he was going to like give this rallying cry for everyone and, and get them ready to fight this battle, this is where you do it. But Nehemiah doesn't say that. He says, when you hear that trumpet sound, you go there and then our God will fight for us. 
And often, where we get in these places of discouragement, these habits of discouragement, which sometimes can be a habit, we forget to remember the Lord, and then we forget that our God is the one who fights for us. I think one of my favorite verses in the Bible, I'm going to flip over to it, it's in Deuteronomy. It is Deuteronomy 20, verse 4, verse 14, I can't remember. There you go. Uh, it says, actually, we'll start to, in verse 3. It says, Hear, O Israel, today you are drawing near for the battle against your enemies. Let not your heart faint. Do not fear or panic or be in dread for them. For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you the victory. I love the image that that paints of how God fights with us. It says, For the Lord your God is he who goes with you. So there is still a responsibility that we have as we fight against discouragement or whatever else that we might be fighting against. There is a responsibility that we have. We have to do something. But it says, for the Lord your God is he who goes with you, but then he fights for you, and it is only in him fighting for us that we get the victory. And so when Nehemiah is telling the people, the battle's coming. There's a hole in the wall. We're going to blow the trumpet. You go there, get there as fast as you possibly can. But then when you get there, know this, he who goes with you will fight for you to give you the victory. When you get there, our God will fight for us. And when we have remembered all that the Lord has done, when we've remembered his faithfulness, when we remember in those times that we needed him to provide, and he did, or those times where we were really discouraged and somebody came and encouraged us, or those times that we needed to see him move, and he did, or even if we just go to the very breath that we breathe or the fact that he chose to send Jesus to save us, those two things are enough for us to remember who he is and then to remember that he fights for us. And so as we wrestle with discouragement or whatever else might come your way, the, the thing that Nehemiah lays out for us is this, this foolproof plan to battle against discouragement. If we will always keep at the forefront of our mind, instead of at the back, which is where it usually is, but at the forefront of our mind, who God is and all that he's doing for us, and just get in the habit of doing that and talking to people about it, like it, it is a thing that you could do with one another. Like, tell me something God did for you in the last week on Mondays. Tell me something you saw God do. And you know the first week, what's going to happen? And it's going to go, all right, y'all, let's tell me something that God did this week. And we're going to sit there and we're going to think, what did God do? Well, Tuesday I had to go to Dunn's and then Wednesday I got stuck in the car park, which has happened to me every day. Thursday this happened, Friday, you know, I don't, I don't know. But then the next week when you know that question's coming, you think about it. And then you see, oh, Monday, I got to talk to my neighbor, and just, she's been really sad, and I just got to love on her like, you know, like Jesus would love her, and that's a, that's a sweet moment that I could tell. Or on Sunday at church, you know, I hadn't really felt the presence of the Lord in a while, and I did, and so that's, I could tell that. And when we actually look for the ways God's moving, we see all the ways He's moving. And He does it all the time. He's moving all the time, and it's easy for us to miss it when we're not paying attention to it. And the way Nehemiah says that we wrestle against this discouragement that they were feeling, that we often feel, is we remember who God is and all that He has done, and then we trust that it is not on us to fight our own battles. And so if you're going to memorize a verse this week, which I think you should memorize the Bible, it's really helpful to memorize the Bible, but memorize it in like little chunks, like chunks that you can remember. The Bible says that we hide His Word in our heart. It's, we're supposed to it's supposed to be a part of who we are. But then it also says that His Word is the thing that guides us. His Word is a lamp to our feet. It shows us where to go. And so that verse, Deuteronomy 20, verse 4, our God is He who fights with us. To fight, or what is it? Our God, I didn't even memorize it. Our God is He who fights for us. 
goes with us, goes with us to fight for us, to give you the victory. That's a crazy verse. And so then when you feel that, I don't, I don't, know, how, I don't know how I can go on anymore. Our God is He who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you the victory. Man, I had a hard day today. That was tough. Our God is He who goes with us to fight for us against our enemies. And you'll be surprised just how frequently remembering that you are not alone, like that's what I love about Deuteronomy 24, 20 verse 4, is that it says He goes with us. Like He didn't just say what Nehemiah didn't tell the people is, you go do it. He didn't even say, you go do it and you will get the victory. God is going to get the victory. And Deuteronomy 20 says, he goes with us as a part of that. He doesn't send us in the battle alone. He doesn't expect us to try to over, like, overcome all this all on our own. He goes with us to fight for us against our enemies to give us the victory. And that's the way we overcome discouragement. And I, I like talking about discouragement because I think if we're honest with ourselves, we all feel it at points. Sometimes every day at some point you'll feel this little tinge of discouragement and tinge of why didn't this go the way that I wanted it to or maybe even I needed it to. And, and so I love, the, I love the, the picture of the simplicity of how Nehemiah commanded a nation to battle against the discouragement they were feeling was to remember who God is and then to trust that He is the one fighting for us, that we are not alone. And He is going to have the victory, because He is the God of victory. It is who He is. You cannot find a story in here that includes Him losing. You cannot find a story in all the Scripture that we see a defeated God, because it's not who He is. We see time and time again the Lord achieve victory, sometimes in really crazy ways, and sometimes in very simple ways. And sometimes we see Jesus on the cross and we think you could see the people. If you read the New Testament, you see the people of God even beginning to feel overwhelmed. How, how could this happen? And then there is God being victorious because that is who he is. It is who he will always be. He does, he does not lose. It is who he is. And we remember that we serve a God that is always victorious who then tells us in Deuteronomy 20, verse 4, that he's going to go with us in, in any battle that we have to fight against and that he is going to achieve the victory because it is who he is, then it makes us face all these different things. It makes us face all these things differently. And so I just, I want to pray that over you. I want to pray just about discouragement. And then if we, we want, we can sit and chat and we can just talk about, you can talk about things maybe that it's easy in Enniscorthy to, to get discouraged in, or we can take the time and we can say, what is something that you saw God do this week? So I'm going to pray for us, and then I'll let Inda decide which way we want to go with the discussion. Father, we thank you. Uh, I thank you for this body. Lord, I thank you for who they are. I thank you for their faithfulness. Lord, I bless them. I know that, that, that feeling discouraged is something that just comes with living and breathing and being a part of a broken earth. But Lord, I thank you for all the ways that you have been faithful. Lord, in my life, Today, I thank you that you kept us safe as I drove on these crazy streets. Lord, I thank you that you allowed us to accomplish what we accomplished today at the church. Thank you that you kept my family safe at home. Lord, I thank you for the big ways that you've provided for us. I thank you for the small ways that you've provided for us. I thank you that my daughters didn't cry going to school. Lord, I thank you for all the things that you're doing. And Lord, we trust that moving forward, you are the God of victory. You are always victorious. You are 100 times out of 100 going to achieve the victory. And we thank you that Nehemiah, when he is rallying the people to battle, at the very core, the very heart, the deepest places of the battle, he called them to those places, and then he said, remember 
who God is. Remember that it is him who will fight for us for the victory. So Lord, I thank you for, I thank you for uh, a live church. I thank you for who they are. Lord, I just pray that you would encourage them. Lord, I pray even tonight, would they take the time, even if we, however we go here in a second, I ask that you would give them the grace to take the time to just write down a few things they've seen you do this week. A few different ways that they've seen you move in them. They don't have to be big, crazy ways. That's often where we feel like God moves. And he does move into big, crazy stuff. But that's not the only way he moves. He also moves in the really, really small things. And the things that we don't necessarily know he's moving in. The ways that he's providing that, that would surprise us. So Lord, I ask that you would give us the grace to remember that. Would you give us the grace to remember the ways that you're moving? Would you give us the grace to see them as they happen? Lord, as you keep us safe from a situation that might have put us in danger, or as you provide, or as you offer joy in a situation where there shouldn't be joy, or as you do all the different things that you do as a good Abba, as a good Father, would you just give us the grace to see them, pay attention to them, remember that is who you are, and then trust that moving forward, you will go with us to fight for us against our enemies so that you, you receive the victory. In your name we pray. Amen.